Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for the next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull****. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. So we're live to tape here on the Anik and Florian podcast. So our producer, Cody Merrow, asked me if I wanted the show open. And the Boston Garden rap and Leon Edwards headshot bang. Or did I want him to put it in post into the show? We want that open right now. Headshot Bank getting us going on a Monday, October 30th, 2023. Episode 445 of the Anakin Florian Podcast presented by DraftKings. We are on the DraftKings Network, DraftKings YouTube channel. Clips on the Anakin Florian Podcast channel as well. Ken Flo, it's Halloween season. It's the eve of Halloween. I am not a huge Halloween guy. You got to be careful when you bang on holidays these days. My younger brother, Dave, really does not enjoy Halloween. My mother had a Halloween party for the family on Saturday nights. Uh, and costumes were optional. So I am going as Luigi. That's why I have the mustache back. My son is Mario, and, uh, nice. you know, it's very emotional. But I find myself on my way to my mom's, and I'm empty-handed. And so I'm thinking, do I stop at a liquor store or stop at Publix? And I'm dressed like fucking Luigi, you know? <laughs> 
That's so good. I think if for any John Anik fans, if they saw you in a Luigi outfit, that would be a pretty special night. That's awesome. Well, I don't <laughs> often think about going to the supermarket or the grocery store as a public figure, but I will say yeah. in this moment, I thought, you know what? <laughs> There's a lot of mixed martial arts fans down here. I just don't need to walk in the public dressed as Luigi on a Saturday and uh, open myself up to that conversation. But, yeah, it's going to be Luigi for me. But, yeah, just not a huge Halloween fan. I'm a new dog owner, right? And thankfully, she doesn't bark every time the doorbell rings. But not unlike the 4th of July, you got to deal with the the animals and uh, just ravenous children coming to the door wanting to take your entire basket of candy. So maybe they're a little bit more sophisticated in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I can tell right. you down here in, in Boca Raton, Florida, gated community or otherwise, yeah. but the fucking savages. Going. <laughs> so. Yeah. My, my daughter definitely uh, made sure to remind me that tomorrow was Halloween. She's very excited. We have a whole like kind of family outfit theme going on. Uh, sad to say it's Barbie, but I will. Wow. Yeah. So uh, you yeah, are gotta, fucking gotta Ken. You <laughs> You're I Ken? Might I might be. I might be. He's Ken. I mean, Cody, this is great. I need somebody else to talk to about this. I mean, uh, Kenny, Ken, not a going one, as but Ken. a Ken nonetheless. Ken. There's a yeah. great Ken song. I'm just Ken, I think, from the new Barbie movie. So <laughs> just you got you need a Bluetooth speaker. I'm just Ken. Look up the song after the show, Ken Flo. I know you will. Uh, so man. I'm in my son's bedroom right now because my television studio, our television studio is being right. built right Ooh. now. Three cameras, all sorts of fancy shots. So hopefully in about 20 minutes, my twin brother who's in there managing the operation will check in here and give us a little bit of a sneak peek for those on the video side as to what is being built over there. But if you can humor me today, I'm in my son's bedroom. Also wanted to share Ken Flo. Big thanks for the Anakin Florian podcast, not just the new merchandise at johnanik.com. And by the way, through the end of the month, every purchase you make 20% off and you're also getting a follow from me on x.com if you uh, if you show me your purchase. But Ken Flo, we're in the sponsorship business. So yes. we're sponsoring my daughter's soccer team. There it is, the Anakin Florian podcast. Greater Boca Youth Soccer Association. So I said to my daughter Tatum, and this is very exciting, right? We're sponsoring soccer teams out there. So I said to her, I said, hey, you got the Anakin Florian podcast logo on the front of your chest, honey. You know, you got to play hard. Right. And she like burst into tears. <laughs> she didn't like the pressure. Is that what happened? Well, right. I didn't yeah. go full throttle. Like, I don't know if you know who Kenny Florian is, but he <laughs> stared death in the face, cutting down to featherweight three times. He fought for a UFC championship. You have his last name on the front of your jersey. No, no last name on the back. You got Ken Flo's name on the front of your jersey, Tatum. You got to go hard. <laughs> And I didn't go that far, but I just said, hey, you know, you're repping the podcast. I was just saying it in a lighthearted way. You're repping the podcast, honey. You got to go fucking hard. And she just burst into tears. Why are you putting undue pressure on me? Oh, like, that's amazing. No extra pressure. But hopefully we got some horses, Kenflo, on this team. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I don't want to have to be back here every week reporting that we haven't scored yet. And uh, we're 0-1. Oh, that's great. And if you don't know, Kempflo played soccer at Boston College. Outstanding midfielder. My daughter wants to play goalie. We'll see how that goes. She can pump the ball a fucking mile, though. We've been practicing in the That's back. awesome. All right, so if you're here for Francis Ngannou talk, we're going to celebrate that man today like none other. He's the baddest man on the planet. I think John Jones is right there with him. But a lot to celebrate on the Ngannou side. John Jones is out of UFC 295, so we'll get all get into all of the big UFC business as far as Sergey Pavlovich, Tom Aspinall, Stipe Miocic are concerned. But, Ken Flo, I bought this pay-per-view on Saturday night, and even though 
all of the surrounding noise and bells and whistles made me feel like the production left a lot to be desired. It was a great main event, a compelling main event. I can't wait to watch the rematch. Tyson Fury wins by split decision over 10 rounds, but the lone knockdown of the fight goes to Francis Ngannou. And there are so many overreaching themes here in terms of mixed martial arts and his representation of our sport in this setting. But let's just start with Francis Ngannou making his pro boxing debut and performing remarkably well against maybe the best heavyweight of all time. Yeah, no, no question about it. I, I thought it was extremely impressive what Francis Ngannou did. I think he surprised myself and a lot of other people who doubted him in this setting, and rightfully so. He was taking on a guy in Tyson Fury who is a massive human being, who is an excellent boxer with very good footwork, with a lot of great offensive and defensive skills. Um, and this is a guy who has beaten everybody who has faced him. So, you know... It was a, it was a, it was quite the challenge. Uh, a lot of people doubted that this fight would even happen, right? Um, and the fact that Francis went out there and performed in the manner that he did, uh, for me, solidified himself as a combat combat sports legend. And and I want to get into more of that. Um, and you know, sometimes if you don't win the fight, you could still win in the people's eyes. And I think that's what happened here. You know, um. He went into someone else's domain. Uh, some people, I would say a lot of people thought he won the fight. I wasn't necessarily in that camp. Right. Uh, not to say I'm a professional boxing judge. I am definitely not that. But, you know, I, I actually watched it late. I was on vacation with my wife, our first one away from the kids. Uh, so I, I didn't really have the luxury of going and watching a, a fight on uh, Saturday night. But I did watch it uh, yesterday, late, late last night. And was still blown away by Francis Ngannou and what he was able to accomplish. Um, I don't think there's any other mixed martial arts fighter on the planet right now that can go out there and do as well as he did against elite boxing competition, let alone a current champion. Yeah. Yeah, you look like you went on vacation. Who makes that shirt? Like, who makes your fucking <laughs> shirt, know. Ken? Well, I mean, ra- ra- could any fighter... Power. At Anik Florian Pod, make that shirt look better than Ken Flo is making it look right now. So Evan Longoria of the Arizona Diamondbacks, friend of the Anik and Florian podcast, one of our high profile listeners who has been really dedicated to the show. So gets an RBI single in game two of the World Series to help the Diamondbacks even that series at one. And then texts me at 1236 in the morning in Ghana wow. won that fight. And to which I responded, you know, close. I gave Fury the last two rounds when seemingly the fight was there for the taking. And he just wrote, yeah, I guess it just felt like the bigger moments for sure. Live with Nganu. Fury seemed gassed. All of these things can be true. Now, when I used to be a boxing radio journalist, I would show up for the first prelim and I would score every fight. And I really enjoyed watching boxing closely so as to score these rounds. And I adopted a similar approach whilst I was watching this pay-per-view on Saturday afternoon. I felt like Tyson Fury won the fight, and that seems like the minority opinion. I gave Francis Ngannou rounds t- two, three, seven, and eight. And for a lot of you, this is neither here nor there. Boxing rounds, very different than scoring MMA rounds. I feel much more confident, I find, writing down an MMA round score than a boxing round score, especially at this stage of my career. But I gave Francis round two, 10-9 to level the fight at that point in time, and then the 10-8 in round three, and then I gave him round seven and eight, but I did give Tyson Fury rounds nine and 10, and thereby a close decision. But so much W within this L for Francis Ngannou, it's disgusting, right? I mean, he's laid the foundation for a rematch, which could pay him, I don't know, 
$25 million. But I guess, Kenny, isn't it kind of neither here nor there in terms of my scorecard or Tyson Fury escaping with a close decision? Isn't it really about what Longoria is alluding to? Like the big moments or moments belong to Francis Ngannou, who looked like he didn't have a scratch on him after the fight. And this is a win or a loss, I should say, that's going to be celebrated as if it's a win. No question about it, man. I want to go into that deeper. And I had it scored the the, the same way. I, I didn't have round seven. I'd have to go back and really look at it. But I had two, three, and eight with that 10-8 uh, round, of course, for Engano in round three. Um, and, you know, so I, I didn't have a problem with the 93-96 card. Again, I'm not a boxing judge. But on the whole, I did have Fury outboxing and edging out Francis Engano on Saturday night. And I thought the... The length was a bit of a problem for Ngannou, uh, and because of that, the jab and that one-two in particular was landing quite well for Tyson Fury. You know, it's easy to get emotional watching a fight like this and say, oh, man, you know, he's in this fight, especially after the knockdown, and now you're kind of your perception of the fight and how it's going is skewed, especially if you are a fellow mixed martial arts fighter or fan or, mm. or Ngannou fan, supporter. So I don't know. I, I don't think, though, that the movement or the feints was as much of a problem for Francis, though. I thought that's where he was going to get thrown off. It was not. Uh, I think that Francis's defense, his chin, his strength, and his own jab frustrated Fury for the majority of that fight. And just that alone is insane to me. Um, I thought it was also easy to determine that Ngannou threw the best punch of the fight, as you talked about. Um, I think that left hook counter was a thing of beauty. He stood his ground, had that right hand up. Uh, Fury went in to land that one, too, stood right in the pocket and landed a beautiful left hook counter. And I think that because of that, you have to give major credit to Francis Ngannou because he was looking for that shot in the early rounds of that fight. Yeah. Also, it means that his coach, his team must have had him very well prepared for that precise shot. Um, so, you know, a credit to him and his team. Just amazing stuff. Again, this was a close fight that I thought Tyson Fury won, but it solidified in my mind Francis as a true combat sports legend. And. Uh, you know, I, again, you know, I, I don't think there's anyone else in the mixed martial arts space who could have done what Francis Ngannou did on right. Saturday night. Um, you know, so uh, this is not your regular human being, John. Uh, you know, when you talk about someone who has the God-given gifts that Francis Ngannou has and you combine that with the amount of adversity that he's faced in his life the work ethic, the faith that he has in his abilities, in his training, the team that he surrounded himself with, all the doubt uh, that the, this fight would even happen. And for him to go out there and will this into existence and make this happen and put himself in position to make this happen, yeah. um, it should be applauded. And Francis Ngannou just went to a completely different level after Saturday night, in my opinion. And how about black fucking Cobra Dewey Cooper? What yeah. a coach. And Eric Nixick, the man, he's going to join us here on the DraftKings YouTube channel on the Anakin Florian podcast coming up on Thursday for 30 minutes. He's traveling back from Saudi Arabia today. I want to read a quick tweet here from Joe Pompliano. 
And he said, this is why Francis Ngannou is one of his favorite athletes ever. Born in Cameroon, ate food from the trash, started physical labor at 10 years old, fled to Paris to chase his dream, arrested six times crossing borders, slept on streets in Paris, signed with the UFC in 2015, became the undisputed UFC heavyweight champion. Then Ngannou left the UFC for a multi-million dollar deal with the PFL that included high seven-figure per-fight guarantee, $2 million guarantee for his opponents, a share of each event's net profits, freedom to box and sign sponsors, equity in the PFL and chairman of PFL Africa, and to Tonight, Ngannou went toe-to-toe with the heavyweight champion of the world in his first boxing match, losing to Tyson Fury by split decision. What an insane life. And people just don't know the gravity of what this man has been through to come out the other side, the extent to which his life is a major motion picture. Yeah. It's just such a no-brainer. And when he signed with the PFL, I publicly bemoaned the fact that I was not going to get the chance to work his fights anymore. I got a personal relationship with the guy. I'm so happy for him and his team and for them to realize these riches. But more than anything else, the competitive spirit, right, and the desire. I'm not sure the desire was always there, right? In 2018, at least as a professional athlete, when he was getting ready to face Stipe for the first time, I've chronicled this before on the show. We let him go from our fighter meeting in Boston because he just had nothing. And even though two nights later he was able to get through those 25 minutes and lose a decision to Stipe, there was a time when he was just overwhelmed and not maybe in totality physically committed to be able to do something like this. What a fucking feat. Now, you called him a legend, and I would agree with you. I don't think any heavyweight in MMA could cross over into boxing and do this. I think there are lighter weight fighters that might realize some success, but – I feel like maybe anything that left the UFC fan feeling shortchanged because we didn't get all of these title defenses in terms of the overall legacy and the legend, Kenny. Even if he doesn't get a Tyson Fury rematch, what he was able to accomplish on October 29th, 28th, 2023 uh, is going to withstand the test of time. I agree. And I think that's why it's kind of important to note who the winners and losers were out of this event. And, and you know, um, I don't think I'm being biased in saying this, but I, I think that although Francis lost here, I think he came out a winner with the fans and the people who are going to watch his next mixed martial arts fight or boxing fight for that matter. Um, I, I also think as a result of that, that the PFL will count, will come out a winner as well, because there's a lot of people that are going to be intrigued by that performance and say, I didn't know much about this Francis Ngannou guy. But he went out here and competed in a sport that wasn't his specialty. Yeah. Well, let's see what the hell he would do in a mixed martial arts fight. Because uh, for everybody out there, what do you think would have happened in a mixed martial arts fight if Francis Ngannou went out there and dropped Tyson Fury? What comes next, John? Massive hammer fists, ground and pound, and Tyson Fury is out on the canvas for possibly 10 minutes or longer. Yeah. Like that's what happens yeah, in a mixed right. martial arts fight. Boxing fight, referee comes in, you're allowed to get up, you have the standing count, he gets right. back, comes back in, and because Tyson Fury is the champion that he is, he was able to come back, adjust to that with all of his experience, and get the win. And he did it, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, there were a lot of people out there, Dana White, you know, the, the, the most famous of all of them, and, and the biggest name out there, who was talking a lot of trash about him. Um, and I think that it's tough to deal with that when you have someone who is who has that kind of power that kind of popularity uh, and that kind of mouthpiece um you know to deal with that kind of pressure and that kind of trash talk and um you know this is a guy who never fought pro boxing before a lot of people said well the UFC let him go because you know he had a lot of injuries he's probably not going to be the same he's old he might be washed up guys 
no, that unfortunately, I, you know, that was not the case. And he became the people's champion uh, because of that. I, I, I truly believe that. And from a business perspective, the goal of any professional athlete is to get people to want to watch you compete. And after that performance against Tyson Fury, he's that's what's going to happen here. And I think that, um, you know, I, I didn't see it going that well, uh, to yeah. be honest. But because it did go well, I, I think that uh, mixed martial arts came out a winner as well because there's been so much. I mean, you and I have dealt with this since with the MMA live days. It's like, yeah, MMA is fun to watch, but the striking, yeah, you know, they're not like right. the pro boxers out there. Really? Well, look how far we've come and how far we've evolved. Um, and and the UFC came out a winner as well because they helped to produce Francis Ngannou, right? So I think there's a, a lot of, uh, things to celebrate here. Mixed martial arts fans should be very, very proud. Um, and uh, and also, you could also argue as far as losers, this might be a loss for boxing in general. Um, you know, Fury was what a fourteen hundred, uh, a minus fourteen hundred favorite or something like that. Um, and he had a fight scheduled late December against Usyk. Uh, and now I don't know if that fight is as attractive after this one. I bet. Yeah. A majority of the people would much prefer to see a rematch between Ngannou and Fury yeah. than a fight against Usyk. And I don't know. I think it probably lost a little bit of luster. And um, I don't know. I, I, and I think it's bigger than I think if you're looking at it from a nuanced perspective, I'm not sure that is necessarily true that mixed martial arts as a whole won here, um, you know, or that it's about mixed martial arts versus boxing. But this was a huge result for people who have supported Francis, who have been, have been big mixed martial arts fans. We have come such a long way in every way, shape, and form. And uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of people who are very proud tonight uh, of, of Francis Ngano, what he was able to accomplish. We're going to get into all of this. I'm going to ask Ken Flo why he was so surprised that Ngannou was able to compete this well. Will we see Francis Ngannou now in a mixed martial arts setting? I'm not so sure, but I do want to check in on my studio build if I could do that. My twin brother, Jason Anik, live two doors down. How are we doing in there? Sorry oh. to keep you on hold. I didn't oh. necessarily know you were holding. What's going on? We're good, gentlemen. I'm not used to the stream yard uh, with the cell phone, but we are getting there, sir. There's Woo! your nice blue Mac, kid. Here's your nice blue Mac. Um, best part of the studio, though, you can be sure, as always, Flo. Never <laughs> far away. Always the best part of the studio, Ken Flo, circa whatever, 1990, early 90s. How you guys doing? How's the show going? You talk a little Francis and Ghana. What's going on? It's going to be electric, though, bro. All right. Well, we're excited to see the studio. Yeah, we're I just getting it. into Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury and, uh, yeah, all sorts of cameras coming to a DraftKings oh, yeah. YouTube channel near you shortly. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, we're going to get back to it, but thanks right, for uh, thanks for checking in. Oh, yeah. Got it, Jay. All right, boys. So, Kenny, I'm contractually prevented from betting on boxing. And oh, wow. I'm not sure that I would have bet on Francis Ngannou necessarily. I think right. I was maybe looking for value on Tyson Fury by decision or a late round knockout. I mean, Tyson Fury was like minus 600 to win by knockout. And I just I don't know. I had my doubts that he was going to be able to finish Francis Ngannou. I, I think sometimes it's hard to quantify like heavyweights versus other weight classes yeah. because the consequences of just one punch are so dire. Um, but how 
did Francis perform relative to your expectations? Like, was he was he more defensively responsible and sound than you expected him to be? Like, why did he exceed so many expectations? Is it is it just that that Tyson Fury is so good in that science? Like, why were you so surprised? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a great question. And, you know, again, I'm no boxing expert. I've been watching it since I was a little kid. So been a boxing fan for a while, not so much recently. But from what I could tell, I think that defensively he was very sound. First of all, I don't think he was buying a lot of those feints from Tyson Fury. And I'm not sure it's necessarily because the feints of Fury were bad or anything. I just think that when you're used to seeing so many different strikes come at you, and as a mixed martial arts fighter, you go, wait, I only need to worry about his hands. And I know Fury huh. threw an elbow there. I know Fury threw an elbow there, by the way. Uh, I'm sure it was on uh, by mistake. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that it makes it so much easier. And when you get an athlete, a special special athlete like a Francis Ngannou, he just knew what was real and what wasn't real for the most part. Um, I think the length was was a problem for him for the most part, but I thought he did a great job of being defensively sound. That counter shot where he dropped Fury was a thing of beauty. He has tremendous power, and I think when Fury felt that power, he knew he couldn't just kind of come forward and throw whatever he wants. I also would love to know what Fury was thinking when he was in the clinch trying to move around someone like Francis Ngannou. I think that that was an intimidating feeling because Fury does use a clinch quite often in the fight. If the guy gets too close, he wraps him up and kind of moves around him, leans on him. Francis Ngannou was just pushing him completely out of the way like he was nothing. It was Fury. He was almost shooting for the legs there a couple times, right? So I think the, the, the power, the size, the defensive capability, the chin of Ngannou really surprised him. I don't think he expected that at all. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't think he took him lightly either. And you heard, you heard it from Fury's own mouth. He said, listen – I don't take anything away from this. I did a proper camp. I worked really hard. A lot of what Francis, Francis Ngannou was doing was throwing me off. And he walked this comment back a little bit. But he actually said that Ngannou was the toughest fight that he's had in 10 years. What does that say when he said that? He did walk it back a little bit. Yeah. But still, that is an impressive statement. So I think the footwork of Ngannou was also very, very good. He wasn't you know, looking for big shots that was throwing him off balancing, right. uh, throwing him off balance and opening him up to a counter. So it was just, it was very deliberate, very smart, very strategic what he did out there. Um, and he fought like a boxer, man. I think there's a lot of pro boxers, perhaps even champions that Francis Gano could take out. You know, yeah. I, I, I was I was very, very impressed. And I think Tyson Fury's comments speak more to all the good that Francis Ngannou is and less to his contemporaries pre Ngannou not being all that great, even though certainly uh, you can cast judgment at some of those other heavyweights based upon this result. I'm fascinated to see how Francis Ngannou would do in a rematch. The fact that he laid the foundation for a rematch that could have him realize $25, $30 million is just insane. Now, Tyson Fury is still going to be favored in a rematch. you got to think in terms of the training camp that will precede any rematch is going to bring out the absolute best in Tyson Fury. But Fury still won the fight. And part of what we're going to talk to Eric Nixick about was – 
just this fight being there for the taking seemingly with six minutes to go. And I felt like the production was trash all night. I mean, microphones were closed. I couldn't hear the corner audio. So I don't even know what type of advice was being imparted. Right. Right. And again, this is not mixed martial arts with a more quantifiable three or five rounds. But I don't know, Kenny. After round eight, which was a Francis Ngannou round, it seemed like that fight was there for the taking. But Tyson Fury did enough in rounds nine and ten uh, to get the split decision nod, or at least to get the the nod from two of the three scorecards that matter. Couldn't agree with you more on that one. I think that it was the experience of Tyson Fury that really shined in those rounds. I also think that, you know, you're not used to doing 10 rounds as a pro boxer. Uh, it, it's tough to deal with that, especially a guy with that kind of size and that kind of knowledge that Tyson Fury has. Just He, he just kind of was able to keep Francis on the outside, never let him get on the inside to land another one of those big shots uh, in those critical rounds. But I agree that fight was there for Francis to go out there and take. He just wasn't able to capitalize there, whether that was a lack of experience or, or a credit to Tyson Fury and his skills, probably a combination of both, uh, perhaps a little bit of uh, conditioning issues in the boxing realm. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it was definitely that close where those last two rounds were absolutely critical uh, to whether uh, Ngato was going to win that fight. Um but again, very close, and he still came out a winner with the fans, which is which is pretty damn cool, man. A lot of credit should be reserved for Tyson Fury as well. Yes. And you can start with him just accepting this fight, right? Does the competitor that resides in all of you out there, would you have given Francis Ngannou that opportunity? I think there are myriad boxing heavyweights that would have been less inclined to give Francis the opportunity in part because of how dangerous a fight it was. And I think Tyson Fury and his camp was not blind to just how dangerous this fight mm. was. And to dig deep when he had to, to win the final two rounds, right? I also think Tyson Fury will deserve credit if he gives Francis Ngannou the rematch and doesn't fight this mm -hmm. other guy in two months, right? So that is where I would like to open up the conversation about the PFL. One of your employers, one of many Kenny Florian employers, a lot of people in the fucking Kenny Florian business right now. So... What is your appetite for an immediate rematch? And do you think we will see Francis Ngannou fight in mixed martial arts? And I know, you know, the PFL cuts one of your many paychecks yeah. from all of these fucking TV stations. But I know that you're going to say, yes, Ngannou's going to fight in MMA. Yeah. I, you know, I don't like boxing, right? Like, I like MMA. I want to see him fight right. in MMA. But I got I to gotta admit to you, Ken, like, I want to see Francis Ngannou in boxing right now. Yeah. I want to see him in a rematch with Tyson Fury. Do you really think we're going to see him in the PFL within the next 12 months or what? Oh, I'll say this. I, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a concern right now, John, right? Because he has the ability to be a star in a completely different sport now. That just opened up a ton of opportunities for him, not only in the rematch with Tyson Fury. You have Anthony Joshua and his manager that's calling him out now. I mean, people want to fight this guy now because he's such an amazing story. That's Dude. the other part of it, right? So. And Ghana, Deontay Wilder, are you serious? Yeah. Bro? Oh, my gosh. It would be crazy. So, ton of opportunities now. Everyone's kind of licking their lips who want to fight Francis Ngannou, managers, promoters, and otherwise. Um, but I, I do think I, I do think we will see Francis Ngannou in the cage. I think early 2024, we'll at least see one mixed martial arts fight. What happens after that, I do not know, honestly. Um, but I do think we will see him. I, I think that... Um, Francis is someone who is going to honor this. I, this wouldn't have happened without the PFL, right? So I, I think that he will come back. We'll have that one mixed martial arts fight. Um, I, I think that it's going to help 
the pay-per-view tremendously for the PFL. I think it's going to be yeah. a huge event. Um, and then after that, he may, he may go back to boxing. I don't know. Um, but again, make no mistakes about this, right? What Francis Ngannou does best is mixed martial arts. This was a tremendous performance for him in boxing. I do think he could be a great boxer. But how many years does that take him to go and do that as far as become a champion, get these fights that he wants, you know, get the right preparation, make the right adjustments. So, you know, um, sometimes things just work out perfectly in that one fight. And the next one doesn't quite work out as perfectly. Like, so I, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how it all goes down. Um, but I do think we will see Francis Ngannou early next year in a mixed martial arts fight in the PFL. I do think the most important part of your answer there was that he will honor that deal. And I do think you're yeah. talking about an exceedingly honorable human being yeah. who is going to want to honor that deal. Uh, but when we talk to Eric Nixick later this week, I can almost assure you they're going to try to do that rematch before they uh, risk anything in a mixed martial arts setting. Speaking of honorable individuals, let us get to his excellency and the <laughs> Ray Longo minute. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt-sip smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Uh, the vocabulary is such a powerful tool, John, <laughs> and you use it to the fullest. Look at that transition. You, huh? you use it to the fullest extent, my friend. So after leaving Abu Dhabi, and by the way, it's great to see you. And your voicemail really touched my heart. I have less than ten voicemails saved yeah, on my I, phone. I, but... I feel uh, I'd love to talk to you because I, yeah. I, I feel like I did was six weeks. I, I yeah. really, even though might you might not have thought it, I was kind of in a haze. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate your kindness and your concern and everything else. You're the man as usual. Uh, I don't love your haircut this week. You know, yeah, I've gone to great lengths on, to try to to shout out your your hairdresser and get her tipped. But this is not her best effort at all. Kevin. Yeah, I don't know. No pun intended. Great lengths on your hair. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What happened, Ray? Tell us what happened. I, I really don't know. I okay. think it's. All right. I think maybe the hair's going. Who the hell? No, you just got to go a little bit shorter on the sides. Oh, maybe. So, right, right, right. so much to discuss with you. But yeah. Francis Ngannou has lit the combat sports world on fire with his performance in defeat against Tyson Fury. It was a close fight. 
Uh, I think those who suggest this is a robbery have certainly not been ingesting boxing for any amount of time, but he was competitive. He had the big moments or at least the moment, the knockdown in round three. Uh, what were your thoughts on Francis Ngannou against Tyson Fury, my man? Okay, I'm gonna, first off, I actually didn't see the fight, but I did see the highlights. So I saw him, you know, I did see like 10 minutes, whatever that clip was. Man, he looked very calm, cool. I thought he would have gotten more rattled you know, in that boxing setting, if he kept getting hit with the jab over and over. But I think what I saw, Francis did a really good job. You know, he just it looked it looked like a looked like a, a boxing match. It looked like a competitive boxing match. And I think that's a win for Francis. I mean, everybody, a lot of people think he won the fight, if not everybody at this point. But um, I think he that's a win, win, win. Any way you look at it, I mean, yeah. not even not even for the fight, just. What he did, and I, and I I came in at the end of your conversation, yeah. but I, I think he is an honorable guy. I think he proved that even with his negotiations, that money wasn't going to sway him. He wanted his freedom, and I think he's a he seems like a very principled guy, and I think he will honor his PFL contact, uh, contract. And, uh, yeah, and I, and I agree with you, John, that rematch has to be done sooner rather than later, depending yeah. on what the numbers were. I'm assuming – and even whatever the numbers were, the rematch will be even more because the rematch I'll definitely, you know, tune in for, you know. It was so cool to see all of the boxing and MMA legends all convene together in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And, of course, to see Israel Adesanya and Kamar Usman being given prominent roles by Nganu and being right there with him was just Crazy. really a heartwarming yeah. thing. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it was great. I mean, I just didn't know that I was going to be there for – you know, six or seven hours after the co-main event, waiting for the main event to drop. But, uh, you know, yeah, well, my goodness, I, yeah, my I goodness, know. man. So <laughs> like I all hail Francis and I wish he was still in the UFC, right? You know, the Anakin Florian podcast always tries to shoot you straight, even though UFC cuts my check, PFL cuts Ken Flo's check. But I tweeted Francis and is the man. Can't wait to celebrate him on the Anakin Florian podcast tomorrow. Having sat through the entire pay-per-view live event yesterday, though, I've never been more proud of our UFC live production team, nor our pay-per-view product. Yes, now, yes. certainly our pay-per-view product is not perfect. And we ask a lot of our fans seven or eight hours every Saturday night. But what the fuck was going on in Saudi Arabia? Yeah. I mean, concerts and dead air and all these different things. Like you would think that over the years, boxing and promoters would have learned a little bit in terms of how to televise a live event. I mean, feeling for my guy, Joe Tessitore, right? You get yeah. the best Phil guy in the business, but there's only so much you can do. I mean, the guy's on a fucking island. Yeah, I think I retweeted that too, because I look, I'm biased with you guys, but I think Production-wise, you can't beat the UFC. I mean, look, even at all the promotions and the fights, you know, we'd go to different parts. I mean, I'm not pissing on any promote, but the UFC, they do a great job. They just do a good job with that, you know? I mean... We spend uh, money on it, though, and time, yeah, well, yeah. right? It's like... Yeah. You you guys have so many more reps than everybody else. You've been doing this, yeah. uh, I think, as from, from a, um, you know, the amount of events, if you, if you add up the yeah. last five, yeah. ten years, and it's the same machine over and over. So you have, you know, many of the similar guys in the same positions who know who have been traveling yeah. all over the world, yeah. who yeah. know how to already kind of preemptively fix a lot of these bugs and sound yeah. issues. Like, yeah. it, it, these are things that are underappreciated that people don't realize when they're watching an event, everything that yeah. goes into it. Yeah. But the UFC is just a monster in that regard. You know, yeah. they've been doing it so damn long. Yeah. Uh, and, and man, they are, they, they are the best in the biz when it comes to production for a reason. Yeah, that's why, I mean, 
I even told you. I'm not like, again. This, I'm, this is not. I'm not criticizing anybody. But even when uh, that kid Montalvo fought in Bellator, like I was looking at the fights, and I'm like, I I, I text Steve Lee. I go, did anybody tell you that he's not fighting till after the main event? Like, no. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at the lineup. There's no physical way yeah. you could fit these fights in. Yeah. And then they come in like a half hour later, Kenny, and they tell the kid, you're going to fight yeah. three hours instead of 20 minutes. No, no, no. It's like, yeah. like again, it shit happens. You know, and back in the day, they'd have what's called swing bouts. We went through the whole story. Yeah, right, thing. right. But that today, with the way that everything is, I'm, I'm always asking, when do you think we're on? Ten minutes or five minutes after the main event? After the, the the interviews, you know they they cut it. They have it. They're they're, they're on top of it, like yeah. I've never seen anybody on top of it. So, and I don't intend to have like a long winded conversation about uh, mm-hmm. how offensive that production was for me, right? But the yeah. UFC, to Kenny's point, has devoted a lot of resources, right? Editors, producers, every feature is fine tooth combed, right? Yes, Kenny, Ryan Mitchell, and all of the wonderful yeah. audio guys, Miles, yes. If anybody were to criticize the UFC pay-per-view, or maybe they would say that we haven't reinvented the wheel and it's pretty similar to what you saw several years ago, the way the combo features lead into the fight, right? So I've even had discussions with my bosses about maybe creatively getting away from some of those things, but obviously our system works, right? But like in-house producers making sure that the in-house works, like I guess I'm just surprised as the guy who did Bellator 1 in 2009 that you could still have a boxing pay-per-view on this level and actually trot out that piece of shit, if I'm being totally honest. Like, that surprises me, you know? My family's looking at me like I'm crazy, and I'm saying in one part, yeah, maybe I need to order more boxing pay-per-views so I'm more conditioned to this. Part of it's that I went straight from boxing media to MMA media, so I was actually covering these boxing events, and I was just sitting there scoring fights, not sitting home wondering what on God's green earth is going on. The co-main event athletes, the poor guys, right? There was a great fucking knockout in the co-main event. They're not even talking. Talking about those athletes, right? I don't even this know. Is, this is fantastic. We got to yeah, move I, on. I, I don't know if John would have walked away from that production if he was working oh, those fights, shitty. but it, it would have been close, I think. It, it yeah, see, you know what's funny? Everybody, everybody's got their thing. He, he's unhinged about this production. This is uh, crazy. But well, it is. Look, when you're sitting there, like, like I had, obviously, I was at the gym and I tried, you know, we couldn't get the fights at the gym. So I tried it. Then I had to go out to eat with somebody. And yeah. I'm like, holy crap. Somebody said, somebody give me the results of the fight. It's got to be over. Yeah. It didn't start yet. I was like, I think I could make it home. But you right. know, it was, so it was not good because that thing started at two and I don't know, you know, whatever. That, Last thing I'll say. fights. That was a long time. Every time on pay-per-view, I say to our viewership, we don't take your viewership for granted. Thank you for being with us for UFC 294, right? We're trying yeah. to fucking earn your pay-per-view dollar next yeah. time. That's why I don't go out to dinner on Friday night. All right. So in terms of Francis Ngannou and his immediate future, Ray, do you think we're going to see him in a major boxing setting before we see him in the PFL competing in mixed martial arts? I mean, I don't I don't know what his deal is. I don't know what his obligations are, but, I, you know, we already feel that he's an honorable guy and he'll honor whatever it is. So I really yeah. don't know what it is, but. I think Francis is going to do, he wants his, you know, he's got his freedom. I think he's going to sit back and make whatever decision he has to make based on, you know, his personality. So we'd have to see what he's offered, you know, what his obligations are, his legal obligations are, and take it from there. But I think, uh, I, I, 
honestly, I think he's just in a win-win situation. Like, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, if he made a shit ton of money on that fight, which he did, yeah, and he, you know, honors his, uh, you know, his obligation with the PFL, maybe making less money. This guy's just a, a great guy. I mean, you know, yeah. he's, I, I, he seems. The fact that he was able to walk away from that deal, this is this is crucial too for a lot of reasons because it's going to give other guys hope to go. Holy shit, Francis walked away from that, and look what he did, you know. And they made it seem like you know Francis was a dead man, like he was never getting a fight, and what's he going to do? And he's going to Francis is doing just fine, man. So I think that's a another part of the puzzle that yeah. it's going to make everybody think, you know, I got my guys going to think I could get a boxing fight. You know what I mean? yeah, like, and listen, he, and, he's going to get, he's going to get paid in the PFL when he's asking for the PFL to give one or $2 million to the guy that he fights. Yeah. A hundred percent. How much there does he go. make? Right. Well, this is what I tell the guys in the gym and I don't get, why is not every fighter rallying around this guy based on what we've heard? Why is not everybody just going, Holy shit, man! This guy, this guy's a good guy. He's, he's actually even looking out for us a little bit. Or, and even yeah. if he isn't, at least he's he's starting that dialogue. I I, I don't get it. Do I, you know I, the I, answer to that question? Do no. you want an answer to that question? Yeah. Why haven't they all rallied together? Well. Kenny knows the answer. In one part, you need the high-profile guys to be part of that rally. But let's just take Kevin Holland. Right, right. I got Pretty well-paid guy, right? Yeah. For Kevin Holland, making at least six figures every time he shows up, which oftentimes is four or five times a year, and bonuses, company man, maybe he doesn't prioritize world championships, right? But Kevin Holland's doing just fine, right? Some people have have said to me they want me to devote my life to it, right? And uh, yeah, like to try to figure out a way to make fighter pay and just across the board, just in a different place, twenty five years from now than where it is right now. But uh, you need you need high profile guys on board, and I just think too many men and women in the fight game are pretty satisfied with their current position. Yeah, that which their for, foremost priority is not to help the guy making twelve and twelve. Yeah, which which is which is fine, you know. But I think Francis at least open the door for a couple of those discussions. And I think the guy should be given credit for that. You know, I agree. This, is, this was pretty big, John. I mean, there's a lot, there was a lot of money put into that show and there was a lot of money. I'm sure those guys made, and I'm sure they're looking at the rematch and what they could do different and maybe cut back here and there and make a sh another shitload of money. Yeah. And, you know, you know, the you have, you know, Dane is a competitive guy too. He wants those. He loves those promotions. It's like, you know, it would be like Elon Musk and Zuckerberg going somewhere else and doing that fight. You know, like he, I think that shit would drive him crazy because that's what he's known for. You know what I mean? So this one's tricky, man. This one is pretty tricky, but that's off to Francis, man. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great example of a guy betting on himself and coming out. Big. Exactly. And, I, and, and John, I really think and it's the key with a lot of really principled people. Francis probably would have been great if nothing ever happened again. That's the key. He was he was satisfied. When you're free like that, you know, when Jocko, discipline equals freedom. Yeah, mm -hmm. discipline fucking it's equals true. freedom, buddy. It really does. It's a great saying because Francis proved it, man. It took discipline to get to do what he did. And I agree. Once you're free like that, you can make those decisions really clean. Once you're, you know, it's like, it's like buying a house. I would tell my wife, we're going to look at a house. Whatever you do, don't say you like the house. You know, and then there's no negotiation at all. Right. 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 You got to go in there like, 
I don't need the house. And when you, when you don't need a house and you're living somewhere and you're going to get a great deal sometime. Yeah. If you rush into it, you're going to maybe you'll be happy, but you're not going to get the deal you would have if you were free to to really make those decisions the right way. So I think right. that's that's what Francis proves to me. And man, he went in there and, he, and, he, and from the clips I saw, I thought he looked absolutely fantastic. So, you know, it is what it is, man. Do I like the, uh, you know, the entertainment thing in the, no, not really, but this, this one worked out pretty good. Well, collectively, we are all just elated for Francis Ngannou. And even as somebody who works for the UFC, I was very hopeful for his sake that he got the Tyson Fury fight, right? Because the biggest cornerstone to this bet on himself was getting that singular Tyson Fury fight. And he was able to get that. And uh, I hope we get to see him in a mixed martial arts setting selfishly. But I will say right now as a combat sports fan, I hope that his next fight is in boxing and a rematch against Tyson Fury. And Kenny, I'd imagine Tyson Fury has an appetite for the rematch, right? Like Islam Akasha beat Alexander Volkanovsky, right? But he certainly didn't like the narrative after that first meeting. And then he head kicked him out in round one in the rematch, right? If you're Tyson Fury, perhaps this is rhetorical, right? But don't you want to sort of right this wrong, even though you won the fight? Oh, 100%. I think 100% you do. You know, wait, let me say another thing, too. And I don't know who the guy is, but hats off to Engano's manager. And I have no clue who the guy is. But Markel Martin's his name. Yeah, and I still don't know who he is. But hats off, to the, hats off to him, though, because, you know, like I'm not a big fan of like the managers, but this was a guy that must have known something, negotiating those deals, what was going on. This is what a manager should do. This is exactly what a manager should do. Take a risk, but have, you know, he maybe it wasn't that much of a risk. Maybe this guy did his his legwork on the back end and he knew which way everything was going, you know, but I think that's another overlooked value. Cause right now it's like, everything is, you know, you go up 2000, you do this, there's not much wiggle room for the managers to get in there. So that's why I say, I don't even know sometimes right, right. what they're doing. Right. But I'm not, and I'm not taking away from it. I, I like every manager my guys have, but, um, but Francis's guy put together something that was, Pretty fucking cool, man. So what what was his name? Markel Martin, former UFC full-time employee. He was actually on The Bachelorette, I believe, back in the day as well. But no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, well, uh, absolutely to Markel, because I think this was was huge, man. This was really big. Yeah. And and Ray, I was talking with with John, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if I'm like his manager or marketing guy or whatever, like I'd be hammering home the point that in round three, if that was a mixed martial arts contest, that fight is over. Tyson Fury. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fighting. Oh, he no, gets no, knocked down. I mean, there's a hammer fist coming from New Jersey that are going to be pounding his head into the canvas, mm. right? I mean, like, yeah. if it was a real mixed martial arts fight, if it was what Francis Ngannou does best, that fight would have been over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. And I tell you what, I mean, listen, I, it almost works out better that he lost because it's bringing more attention to the fight and he right. really won. You know what I mean? Like it's everything worked out good. Even the loss, I think John, worked out better for him. I and, mean, there and, were so many, there were so many boxing professionals, former fighters, current fighters who thought that Ngannou won that fight. Right. Again, right? I think yeah. they're wrong. I think they're yeah. wrong. It was a very close fight, but you know, maybe they have a, some sort of, some yeah. kind of an argument, but when you hear guys, former boxing world champs, uh, you know, guys in the game, uh, just screaming that just that alone. I mean, has added so much fuel yeah. to the fire. 
Yeah. And back, back to his manager for another thing. Imagine for a manager to have a guy in that position is huge. So even the manager, whatever they offered him, 10 million, 12 million, think of what his cut is that he had to right. walk yeah. away from that yeah. too. So I, I, right. I, I don't right. know why I'm right. keying in on that, but I think. My goodness, you're keying of, in, huh? Lot, no, there's a lot of moving parts that yeah. really had to be working in yeah. sync for this thing to happen, unless all the stars just align right. But I'm saying win, 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 win for Francis and. I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of curious to see what the, you know, going forward, what the backlash will be with everybody else. Because I could already tell you, like, and look, Kenny, I mean, you know this too. I mean, I don't know if it, I make my guys box every week. Right. You know, like yeah, I, I did too. You know, I did just it, boxing rounds for a while. Yeah. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not, you know, when you're doing MMA, that's almost a relief. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I use it just so they get that contact and they, there's a less of a chance of them getting hurt. You know what I mean? And they, and and look, if you look at the fights, 80 percent is, you know, striking if you think about it or whatever. But um, right. go ahead, Kenny. John asked me a great question of why I, I think that maybe Nganu did so well against Fury. And I think and, and I'd love to get your opinion on it. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that he's only looking at one weapon now for the most part? You know, it's like you're, you're in mixed martial arts. You're worrying about takedowns, leg kicks, calf kicks, thigh kicks, body kicks, yeah. straight kicks. Huh. Oh, the only thing he had to worry about was was hands. And I think he was seeing and, a lot of those feints coming. Right? Am I crazy to think? No, 100 percent. And he looked like he was comfortable. He looked like he fought like that. Yeah, this is, this is great. I can just go forward and I don't have to worry about getting kicked or taken right. down or. So listen, boxing is part of MMA. You got to be boxing if you're in there. So it's not like he, yeah, he never had a boxing match, but he was boxing. Look, I'm going to say this, uh, Kenny. You, I think you'll agree with this, especially when, like, when you were fighting. I would make my guy. We had a local PAL in the air. I would make my guys go down there and box because it was terrifying. You know, yeah. back then, I, I wanted to see you. You really want to fight? I'm going to eliminate your weapons that you could use, and you're going to learn what it's like yeah. to get hit and come back and think under pressure. And yeah, take a, yeah. it was always I was always panicking. Today, I take my guys down. It's it's game on. They're doing man. well, you know, right? Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, like twenty exactly. years ago, you know, where it was like I would bring in boxes and be I'd be holding my breath like, oh, I hope he doesn't get killed <laughs> because then it'll be bad. This one today, right. it's good game work. over. Yeah, yeah, hundred yep. percent. Great work. Yep. Now, yep. great work, Ken. They want those guys now. That's how mm -hmm. good they are. Yep. So I think that's where I'm coming. So even though he didn't box, was it like he never was just in a boxing setting? You know what yeah. I mean? He's boxed and, before. And that's why I, I truly believe this is what this was a big win for mixed martial arts because you see yeah. how much, how far we've come. You know, we always were criticized. Ah, yeah, but their hands, they're not like boxers. And yet, well, look at this one. See how far right. we've come. And hats off to Tyson Fury for even entertaining this fight. Unlike Logan Paul, who really is just a mastermind of picking guys that are coming out of their grave and make, Jake you know, Paul. building up whoever, whatever Paul it is. is Jake, yeah. Jake Paul is it? Don't well, they, Jake Paul's the one who has fought Ben Askren, Tyron Woodley, Anderson. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this guy's just a marketing genius. I mean, I give him, I give him an A plus for that, but. Holy crow, you recycle those names and then you're yeah. making a name off of that. I think it's horrendous. Right. Right. Horrendous. I mean, imagine the first guy he calls out Ben Askren. You know, everybody knows Ben was known for his boxing in the UFC. I mean, he had right. great hands. One of, right, one of the greatest yeah. boxers in UFC history. 100%. Ben and, 
it's a credit. <laughs> and, that's, that's not a, and, and he would even laugh at that because I think he's a great guy. But I, I also think Conor McGregor deserves credit, right? Conor McGregor yeah, and Floyd Mayweather for kind of opening the door for this fight to even be feasible, yes. right? And, and we all saw how popular that one was. And yeah. I, I think this did perhaps maybe not as well. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers were. But, you know, it was it's guys like Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather that also opened the doors to, to this fight even kind of being right. conceived. Yeah. And, and Conor McGregor 100% can box. He can box, yep. period. Oh, yeah. That's it, you know? Yep. So, so big big, uh, big stuff on a lot of, for a lot, of, a lot of different reasons. So I'm going to get a call later today from Markel Martin. He's going to say, yeah, I just want to let you know I'm representing Ray Longo's business interest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I want. I'll have I to. Just, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say go ahead. you're gonna get a call. He goes, "I'm. I just want to let you know I'm representing Ray Longo's hair. Right. Yeah, just this I'm hair. Representing his hair and his business yeah. interests and uh, a lot of responsibility. And then I would have to let Markel know that the Ray Longo Minute T-shirt is no longer the top seller at JohnAnik.com. Let's go. No way. Thanks to you. I saw a lot of big boxes of merchandise moving. We're selling a lot of the Ray Longo Minute shirt, but I'm just letting you and Markel well, know. What, what this is not over? because what of – What shirt took over? The Anakin Florian Podcast logo T really? is the number one really? seller right now. I'm just saying, hey. over there by, by hey, don't – don't shoot the messenger for starters, right? This is not a – I'm not negotiating against you and Markel right now. This is not a ploy to have your cut be less. I'm just letting you know. And all the minute men out there that aren't buying T-shirts, John Anikon, really? 20% off. Buying... Wow. 20% off through, I think, the first week of November. Right now, 20% off everything. And that gets you follow from me on X.com as well. You just show me you and your T-shirt. All you really need to do so- – it's wait, just wait, right to me, did? dude. I bought the Longo Minute shirt, and I'll follow you back. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, wait. Is that what you did, though? You put your shirts at 50% so they, you cheapen oh, them? Come on, so they man. Is that what you did? You marketed like that? How hey. did you do me like that? Kenny, come on. If, would you like, like the price boy. point of your shirt? To, if you would like the price point of your shirt, you know, you don't even control that, actually. Listen, the Anik Florian shirt, you know what it's called in marketing? A loss leader. <laughs> you, you bring them in. You bring them in for like five dollars, and then when they, oh, hey, that hey. Shirt, they see my shirt, they go. We go. We're, we're <laughs> you know what? Tell Markel if you guys want to sell your own merchandise, you want to sell your own Ray Longo minute T-shirts, right? Sarah Longo, fucking Longo, Wyman MMA. <laughs> Get ahead. All right. Hey. If anybody's out there wants to represent me, I have absolutely no representation. I have, I have no marketing. Oh, have no look at this. At Let's go. Yeah, you're Let's throwing Markel under the bus. Well, Markel, we'll see. Forget 20%. I'm giving 30%. How's that? All right. We'll see. I don't know if you actually wield that type of power. But uh, all kidding aside, Ray gets a significant cut. Significant cut oh, uh, if you do want to support him, johnanik.com, the Ray Longo Minute. New designs, average Joe Art, uh, are out and available to you. All right, so we have to get into the major UFC news, and then at about 10 minutes, we will bring on Brian Petrie and get some predictions for UFC Fight Night Almeida versus Lewis, UFC in Sao Paulo coming up this weekend on ESPN+. But major news since we were last on the air surrounding UFC 295. John Jones has a torn pectoral muscle. He has already undergone surgery. So he and Stipe are not fighting at UFC 295. There will now be an interim heavyweight championship fight between Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. That is the new co-headliner 
But there's a lot of layers to this, not unlike the Ngannou situation, right? Certainly the magnitude of the Jones-Stipe fight is such that people are upset, even though I think to most avid fans, we're absolutely salivating over the possibility of seeing Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall here in less than two weeks. So, uh, Ray, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on the John Jones news and ultimately how it impacts the heavyweight division. Man, very disappointing. I mean, I look, I got three guys on the card. I was really looking forward to that fight. You know, I, I'm good friends with uh, Stipe. I love the guy. Uh, Jones is, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it with a couple of, you know, asterisks next to his name. But, um, yeah, it's disappointing, like everything else. And the only thing I don't like about the other fights, again, what are they bringing Aspinall in on two weeks for the heavyweight championship of the world? Like, I just, that shit. I know you got to make the fights, but, you know, one guy was the backup fighter, so you know he's been training uh, because he thinks there's a possibility he's fighting. And then you call a guy up on two weeks, I think it's a big ask against a guy like Sergey uh, Pavlovich. So I hope Aspinall was at least in the gym uh, and he gives it a good go, but uh, he's got his work cut out for him with uh, that guy's a beast. Cat flow. Yeah, listen, I, I think this is really unfortunate for John Jones, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more later. But um, I, listen, I, I think this is a phenomenal fight. Uh, like Ray, I, I don't think it's ideal circumstances. And I think that as we've seen with, with, with fights like the one with Alexander Volkanovsky, for example, and perhaps even the one with Usman and Chimaev, I think it kind of does more to the psyche of the fighter than it does even to the skills of a fighter. Um, because... Because you know you haven't had a full camp, sometimes that will play tricks with you. Uh, I'm curious to see how that affects Aspinall. This guy is highly skilled. I think he has more ways to win in this one against Pavlovich. Um, but Pavlovich, of course, very, very dangerous fighter, has proven his knockout power time and time again. Uh, so I think it's a fascinating matchup and one that will be very exciting and will deliver that excitement. But what that does to the psyche of someone like Tom Aspinall, who's probably used to competing under more ideal circumstances, I, I think we'll find out and we'll see. So I, I think as though, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, John, let me just, I think for John Jones, really, because it's not like an injury for a couple of months. That's a big injury. He's yeah. not getting younger. It's it. That's it's. It's really unfortunate because who knows what could happen in the course of that year. A lot of things yeah, can I, change, you know? Yeah, I wonder if that fight happens, you know, yeah. with, with both those guys a little bit older now. You know, it was kind of tough to put together in the first place, and that yeah. pushes things back yeah, I think a while, really, yeah. which which kind of stinks because that's a fight that myself and I know a lot of other people who wanted to see, see that fight. So we'll yeah. see what happens. It, 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 yeah, it's not like they're pushing the fight back to the next UFC. This is – it's uncertain. You know, that's a yeah. that's a pretty bad injury. You know, that's a pretty bad injury, especially for a fighter. I sort of feel like John Jones should have been forced to vacate the title, knowing that he was going to be out at least a year dating to UFC 285, which was March of 2023 when he beat Seattle gone. So I guess I would just like more clarity as far as Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. I do think the winner of that fight eventually is going to be promoted to be the undisputed UFC heavyweight champion, and they'll make that first defense against Stipe or I don't know, man. I just have my reservations as to whether or not they're going to be able to put that John Jones Stipe fight together. And certainly John, you know, is going hard in training, but I have to wonder aloud if you're training and going hard straight from UFC 285, maybe is that more preventative as far as this injury occurring? And perhaps that sounds like a criticism, I guess, if it does, so be it. But 
this fight was holding up the division, Kenny. And I know people don't want to hear that, right? Like, yes, I was excited to go call John Jones versus Stipe Miocic, even though Stipe's last fight, he was 38. Now he's 41, right? But yes, I was excited to go call that fight. But I feel like sometimes when I say pro UFC things or I defend Pavlovich, Aspinall, people are saying, oh, it's just because the UFC cuts the check. No, this was the hardest ticket in UFC history, right? And I feel like it remains pretty close to that, right? Yes, people can go get a refund, right? I need 12 tickets right now. I'm 12 short. I can't get tickets for anybody. Madison Square Garden is all you know. It's always our biggest show. And the two best heavyweights in the world right now are Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall, right? If you don't want to take it from me, that's fine, right? But with respect to John Jones, these are the two guys that are in camp that are training to be the best heavyweights in the world that are in their primer, getting close to it, that are primal, that want to fight regularly. And instead, we got this super fight that seemingly is holding things up. So, like, yeah, I'm upset like everybody else that the fight went away. And, yeah, I guess I'd like Tommy Aspinall to have more time to prepare. But you don't think Aspinall was maybe preparing with one eye towards this date? Like, right. these are the two best heavyweights in the world right now. And they're well, fighting at Madison Square Garden, and I can't fucking wait to go. Well, I'd also say that I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if the winner of that fight is the one that gets that next shot against John Jones if he returns, right? I mean, I think so they're more likely than perhaps Stipe Miocic, right? It's like especially with Aspinall and everything he's done, I think he's kind of one of those guys that a lot of people, myself included, view as perhaps that new breed, that new generation of of mixed martial arts heavyweight that really can do it all and do it well. So uh, this is this is still a very very exciting and intriguing fight. Wait, hold on a second. What's the point of the interim belt? Well, that What's I don't really point? know. Well, I think I they mean, hold out saying, hope that maybe. That, yeah, hold on, John. You're saying that Sergey say whoever wins that fight isn't fighting John Jones next. They they're going to give it to Stipe. Yeah. I mean, so what's the point of the belt? Well, that's where I think there is a little bit of gray area. If John Jones's timeline is eight or 10 months, right? I mean, do we really think that we're going to see John Jones before International Fight Week 2024? I just don't see, no. right? So in that scenario, you would then have an interim champion that would have already been idle for six or seven or eight months. It just doesn't work that way. But Stipe seemingly maybe wanted to stay on this date and was not afforded that opportunity by the UFC because they didn't want to give him, you know, insultingly or otherwise a shot at an interim belt as the consensus greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. So yeah, Ray, I don't have a great answer. Like I do think it stands to reason that we never see John Jones and Stipe inside the octagon together. You know, Uh, I mean, you're not going to shelve the winner here for a year. Hey, John, the insulting thing isn't going, that's not, I, I'm not buying that. The guys, they've insulted Stipe about a hundred times. Right? Now they're worried about insulting him. He didn't even let yeah. Dana put the belt on him one fight. That's right. The ins- the, they don't want to insult him. That's a good him. point. I mean, I'm not buying. Who the hell's buying that? But, I Kenny, mean, let me ask you this. No, that's a fair point. No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> listen, I love it. I like everybody. I like, this isn't. I, if, uh, if we're going to shoot from the hip, we got to shoot from the hip. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But insulting Stipe, I'm sure. No, fair. I'd love to hear his take on that. I would, no, I think. <laughs> that's why I, we love you, Ray. <laughs> no, and that's a great point. And I was just presenting Dana's side and Dana's quote, yeah. right? But Kenny, know, let me no. ask you this, right? And Ray's yep. very much embedded with Stipe. And everybody who I talked to about the Stipe John Jones betting line on DraftKings Sportsbook, I was saying to everybody at UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi, is Stipe not a live underdog here? Like, we know he's been training. We don't necessarily know exactly what John Jones is training camp has held 
And people are looking at me like, dude, Stipe hasn't fought since he's 38 years old. Like everybody who I talked to about that fight, Kenny, told me that they felt like John Jones was going to finish Stipe. And I, I felt like there was value on Stipe. So do you feel like a John Jones Tom Aspinall fight in 2023 is more competitive and gets you more excited or no because of Stipe's legendary status? I think so. I think at this stage of the game, it's probably more competitive. Now, it's not to say that Stipe Miocic can't win this fight because you, you cannot doubt someone with that level of experience. Um, I mean, he's been an athlete his whole life and yeah, he hasn't competed in a while, but you think that's just going to get turned off just like that? No, I don't believe so. The guy is, um, you know, cut from a different cloth, John Anik. No, but he mentally, he's so, he's so tough. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, he can wrestle, he can strike, he can do, there's a ton of skills that he brings into the octagon that makes him a, an absolute threat to someone like John Jones. But Aspinall, I think, you're talking about a guy much earlier in his career, right? He hasn't had the wars that Estipe Miocic ha- has had, um, you know, hasn't had as many injuries, even though he, you know, had that knee injury and things like that. So I, I think that he's just a fresher guy right now at this stage of the game. I also think he he brings in some skills that Stipe doesn't have. You know, this guy has, I think, even more firepower than Stipe Miocic has at this stage of the game. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, and I'll tell you, like this, they, whoever wins the interim belt, they're gonna want to fight in a couple of months. What do you do with that? Then there's another interim belt fight. Like, no, I think you would probably what, what do you see. Do? Yeah, it's tricky, Ray. Yeah, think tricky, about it, John. Man. I mean, that guy's a year away from fighting. Say ten months, right, I agree. nine months. This guy wins tomorrow. He wins in a couple of weeks. He wants to fight in three months. What do you do? Right. You having another interim title fight? I, no, I, I think what you would do I, is that interim champion would then be the backup for Jones and Stipe. And, but he's got to wait I don't a know. year? Well, no, I know. A it's year. a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing. That's why I would have had John Jones vacate. But then, you can't, but then you're not preserving the chance of keeping Jones and Stipe together as a title fight, right? You take that title fight away because then the champion uh, is no longer John Jones. And John Jones now becomes the blue corner guy against Aspinall or Pavlovich. But uh, let me just get you out of here with this, Ray. Yeah. What's your dog's name? Lucky? Lucky. Lucky. All right. Don't make me say she'll be coming in the room. Holy. (laughs) All right. So to save Lucky's life, you get to send one heavyweight, in there to beat John Jones to save your dog's life. You send in Sergey Pavlovich, <laughs> Tom Aspinall, or a forty-one-year-old Stepe Miocic. Which heavyweight you send it in? Uh, I'm sending in Stepe, even at this stage of the game. Fair. Sending in Stepe. Fair. Yeah. I I'm thought he had a great Stipe. chance to beat John Jones, and everyone disagreed with me. I'm not trying to take I, shots at the guy. Yeah, because I think uh, I think he's always in the gym, and I think like what Kenny says, it's not going away, and he can yeah. wrestle. That could pose a problem at a bigger, you know, weight. Uh, yeah. We'd have to see. I'm curious to see how the wrestling exchanges go. And I think right, Stipe, right. Uh, you know, the only negative thing could be maybe Stipe's chin a little bit. But besides that, I think he's good to go, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm sending Stipe in to send my dog's life. And I feel there you very go. comfortable that Lucky will be living. I yes, like that. Thank you. No, I thank really you. think Stipe's last right. fight, he's going to be competitive. I think people are really worried about the chin, and you kind of alluded to that. Yeah. All right, if you want yeah, more I from Ray so. Longo, at Ray Longo MMA on X on Instagram, he is at Ray Longo MMA 9358. And if you do want to support the Ray Longo Minute and the Anakin <laughs> Podcast, you can go to johnannick.com, 20% off all designs. And 
Yeah, I mean, like if the Ray Longo Minute T-shirt is the top seller at the end of 2023, I'll do some <laughs> sort of stupid. Uh, I'll like wax my legs on the air or something. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, can I get representation? Anybody out there wants to represent me? You're missing a gold mine. You're missing out on a gold, but let's go. If you are an MMA manager, Markel Martin or anybody else at Ray Longo MMA (laughs) on X, let's get this guy representation by next week. Hey, Ray, have a great day and a better better evening. We'll talk to you next Monday. You guys are the best. I'll see you next week. Take it easy. All in good fun. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall is a very exciting fight. I think certainly some of the circumstances, Kenny, are suboptimal, right? But I'm really not being anything more than myself here in this context as an MMA fan. Like, can you understand why I want to see those two guys fight as opposed to maybe the two Hall of Fame legends who are long in the tooth, right? Like, are people really going to want to sell their tickets back? Because I'll fucking buy them, you know? Yeah, I'm listen. I, I think I, I'm really cu- curious to see the approach of Aspinall in this fight against someone like Pavlovich, uh, who gets off to such a great start every single time. He's an absolute savage uh, in round one, so he has to be really careful. But I'm really curious to see does does he grapple? Does he strike with him? Does he try to keep the distance? You know, uh, look for takedowns late in the round. You know, so I think there's a lot of different approaches that Aspinall can have in this site. I think for Pavlovich, he's going to look for your head uh simple as yeah. that um so I'm, I'm curious to see how he adjusts and what his grappling is like against someone like aspinall but still a great fight man exciting exciting stuff and i don't know what this would do to the pay-per-view right i mean the main event is still alex Pereira and yuri prohaska which on paper is about as good a fight as we can put together so yeah. uh that's your new look ufc 295 and we wish john jones a speedy expeditious recovery and i do hope that they can put that fight together but uh Time waits for no man in July 2024 actually sounds ambitious as we sit here coming up on the 1st of November 2023 with Johnny Bones still in a sling having undergone the knife. All right. We got to spin this thing forward. UFC fight night, Almeida versus Lewis coming up Saturday from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. I finished fight. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. There he is. What's up? What's up, boys? Brian Petrie with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast at Brian Petrie MMA. It's good to see you after a week off, my man. Man, I missed you guys. I need this. I need this. I miss you. <laughs> Kenny looks great. John, you got the tickler on the lip, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. Yeah, tickler comes off uh, on Wednesday. We'll go full beard again. Just doing nice. this for uh, Luigi. My son's Mario and I'm Luigi nice. and uh, getting all decked out. So I know you share my enthusiasm for Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. I don't think any of us knows acutely what Tom Aspinall has been doing. But, mm-hmm. bro, like, this is an enormous dream heavyweight matchup. Yeah. And since this is the fight that we have, curious to get your two cents on it. I mean, I think it's a better fight. I mean, I know it's not the name value, but as, an, as a hardcore MMA fan who cares about who the fighters are coming up, Tom Aspinall, Sergey Pavlovich, they're there. They're the next up, right? I know John Jones, John Jones, Stipe's my Ohio guy, but these two dudes are fucking real deal. They were going to fight for a title. They were going to cross paths. The only thing that's kind of mucking it up is everyone's getting hung up on the interim title or whatever like that. I think that's just, you know, that's just a way to go like, hey, let's throw a battle on these guys because John's out. 
you know, you guys already talked about it with Ray. I was in the back listening, obviously stripping Jones would probably be make the most sense, but then you potentially lose the steep a fight. It, it's muddy waters. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I'm not making these decisions. Right. I'm just glad I get to watch the fight November 11th. And yeah. uh, I think it's, it's insane. I mean, I'm yeah. high on top of my Aspinall. I was a little lukewarm on Pavlovich. I mean, he debuted, he dropped that L, but ever since then, he's just been knocking everyone out. Yeah. Uh, so I can't wait, man. Tom Aspinall did open a slight favorite on DraftKings Sportsbook, minus 135. I believe the comeback on Pavlovich was plus 114. Our executive producer, Cody Merrill, will get us an updated line here as we go through the main event challenge. Last thing I'll just say on John Jones, I feel like it was yeah. ambitious to suggest that he was going to be able to compete in March and then again in November after taking three years off and uh, mm-hmm. just was going to believe it when I saw it and unfortunately is not going to materialize here in a couple of weeks. All right, we have a pronunciation of the week before we get oh, to boy. these selections. Still right now, Tommy Aspinall minus 130, Sergey Pavlovich plus 110 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Pronunciation of the week, this fighter is a world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu player. Not necessarily that hard a name to pronounce, but we love hearing Brian Petrie go Brazilian Portuguese. He's a five-time BJJ world champion out of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Mm -hmm. Brian Petrie, he competes this weekend. Who am I talking about? So whenever we get a Brazilian name, Portuguese name, and there's a lot of I's and there's a lot of E's, you know, I throw a little tang on it. Uh, I'm going to try to withstand myself here because I believe his name is Rodolfo Vieira. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to not mess up the track in case you go theater. I was waiting for that because that's, I mean, that's the best I can do. (laughs) I mean, it's uh, not going to get better for me. That's the best I can do. All right. Let's, uh, (laughs) let's hear Rodolfo say his name. Shall we? Rodolfo Vieira. Rodolfo Vieira. All right. Not, not bad. Vieira. Vieira. Rodolfo. Rodolfo Vieira, right? R's with the H's. I always forget that. Should I update the standings? Back-to-back wins for Team Florian. No, Ken Floyd's a good week for you. He eyes in his own head. He's like, I don't know. (laughs) So for the second successive week, Team Florian gets the better of Team Petrie. Four and two for Ken Flo, plus $500 at UFC 294. That included a three-unit trigger on Islam Akashev, two-unit hit on Hamzat Shimaev. Brian Petrie managed his money well, two and four on the week, but he took some chances, only minus $100, and he still has a lead of $4,470. As we come up on UFC Fight Night, Almeida versus Lewis, first fight for us, main card opener at lightweight, Ismael Bonfim, minus 440, taking on Vince from hell. Pichel plus 340. So Bonfim had won 13 in a row, Bri, before he got face cranked by Benoit yeah. and destroy Saint-Denis back in July. Still just 27 years old. He's the older, though, and smaller of the Bonfim brothers. Mm-hmm. Here he draws the UFC tested Vince Pichel. He's going to be 41 in November, Bri. Yep. A little bit of an uneven UFC career for Vince Pichel, marred by injury, but still a tough out. Huge number next to the name Vince Pichel. Your thoughts on him here against Ismael Bonfim? Tell you what, I've been flip flopping on this fight like a fish out of water, boys. I tell you, I can because with it, it the number on Vince Pichel, this is the most <clears throat> manly man, or at least one of them in the UFC. This guy rocks a thick old mustache, right? Listens to speed metal, hasn't driven a car in years, just drives Harleys and motorcycles. Like he's a man, fights once a year-ish, right? Grinds people, not a finisher, doesn't fade away, hard to put away, and he's always surprising. And then you got that big fat number on him at plus 340. You're like, whoa, 
Let me take a look at uh, Vince Michelle here. Then you got Ismail Bonfim, who got his arm kicked off by Benoit Saint-Denis. And that's going to happen. Benoit Saint-Denis is a stud. My biggest problem with Bonfim was when it hit the ground, he looked lost. He, I think he was broken by the kicks. But when he hit the ground against uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, I'm like, okay, he's comfortable here. He just got swarmed and, and did not look comfortable. Um, and then you hit me with a Yanni the Greek stat. This is, this is, this is how I feel like Yanni breaks down fights. 13 years in age difference. If it, if the, the age is above nine years or whatever, the younger fighter wins 80 something percent of the time. I hate the number. I, I'm going to play maybe Bonfim by decision, but give me Bonfim. I've been flip-flopping all the time, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Vince, uh, Vince pulls us off here. Ken Flo, Vince Pichel's been on the roster dating to the Ultimate Fighters only live season back in 2012. He's seven and three in the UFC, but he just hasn't been able to compete all that often, returning here for the first time since April of 2022. Ken Flo, you like Bonfim or Pichel? Yeah, this this is an interesting fight. I think that Brian did a great breakdown and, and raised some very interesting questions. Yeah, you know, I think that this fight is kind of won or lost with the wrestling, in my opinion. Um, I do think Pichel. Uh, has a lot of value. He has a lot of experience. Uh, like Brian said, he's a very tough dude. And I think that if he can get some top position against Bonfim, I think he can, he can do some serious damage. I also think that on the feet, it will be interesting to see who gets the better who. But um, it's just hard for me to go with Pichel at this stage of the game. I think Bonfim, um, I think, should get the better of this one. Um but, you know, unless I see something differently, weigh-ins or so, mm-hmm. something on fight week, um, I'll stay with Bonfim. Pichelle aligned with Factory X a couple of years ago and could be riding a four-fight winning streak. He was competitive against Marco Madsen, but mm-hmm. uh, I got a soft spot for Vince Pichelle. We'll see what he nice. can do as yeah. a big underdog coming up this weekend. All right, next up at middleweight, the aforementioned Adolfo Vieta, minus 112. Armin Petrosian, minus 108. So Vieta, 4-2 and two in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Petrosian, the Armenian, one of the more underrated guys in the division, I think, at least, took Christian Leroy Duncan's O his last time out, Bri. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on this fight? Essentially, a pick em on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. You know, they call me pick em Petrie in the streets, babe. You know, they call me that. Um, I hate this pick em fight, if I'm being honest with you. I have no clue. I'm going to play props here. Um, Vieira. Uh, uh-huh. he is <clears throat> kind of a one trick pony, but he's a very good pony, right? He's very good at that. His, he was embarrassed by the Anthony Hernandez loss. He gassed out, got submitted. He rebounded well, fought my guy, Chris Curtis shot about 600 times, got stuffed every single one, but he needs to trust his hands a little more. I think uh, against Petrosian, who's a great kicker. He's got some good hands as well. He can punch moving backwards, but the has got to trust his hands a little more to open up the takedown. Cause I think he can land the takedown. He's only got 26% takedown accuracy in the UFC there. That is, but Petrosian besides Leroy Duncan has been taken down multiple times by every single one of his opponents. His takedown offense is a little weak. He's good at getting back up. But when you get back up against a guy like there, you expose your neck, you expose your back, and it's curtains. I mean, this guy is deadly down there. He looked very good against Cody Brunders on the ground. Cody Brunders is a decent grappler, decent wrestler. He got him down. Um, and and I always think Vader is older than he is. He's 34. He's strong. He's just right. chiseled up. Kangaroo Jack to the tip. Huh. Uh, I like this guy. I like him here. I think he's going to win by submission. That's how I'm going to play it. But for our game here, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go head off with Vader. Huh. And it's not a game. Don't get it twisted. No, no. Also we're, we're going bottles, babe. It's a real life. I mean, thing. breaking bottles over your head. When you're right. It's not a game. Minus 112 for Hadolfo Vieta, Ken Flo, Armin Petrosian, minus 108. Your thoughts? 
This is interesting. Um, this is very interesting. I, I think that um, I have yet to see Vieira completely comfortable in the UFC's octagon at this stage of the game. That is that is worrisome for me. Uh, I'm a huge jiu-jitsu fan, big fan of Vieira and everything he did in the jiu-jitsu world. Um, but uh, it seems that like his heart rate goes up a little bit more before a fight. And these are typical things, but I'm not sure he's able to regulate it as much as some of the other competitors at this stage of uh, like the, the, the other guys that have the same amount of fights as Vieira has. And to me, while I do think that Brian is spot on, if this fight goes to the ground, I think he could submit anyone in the world, especially if he gets top position. I'm not as confident in Vieira in his ground, like if he's on his back in his guard mm-hmm. game. Um, this is one of those guys he could potentially get a takedown against and, and take advantage of it. Um, I think a lot of it will be determined in round one. Um, I think that if he's able to either get back to his feet or stuff a lot of takedowns from Vieira in round one, I think it's Petrosian's fight. Uh, but, uh, you know, if Vieira is able to get some confidence going, get some rhythm going early in round one, I think then maybe he could take control. So I don't know. Petrosian, he's got he's got some upsides. He's very tough. He is good at getting back to his feet. He's the brother of Giorgio Petrosian, a guy I was a big fan of. Yeah. One of the greatest mm-hmm. kickboxers to ever compete in the game. Um, so I think on a striking level, he's not quite like Giorgio is, but he is very dangerous. And I think it's enough to certainly give problems or even knock out someone like Adolfo Vieira. It's very rare that I will go against my jiu-jitsu brethren. I am going to go the opposite way, though, here. I'm picking Petrosian. This is very close. Would love to see Vieira get comfortable and have that breakout performance. Um, but I'm not sure it happens here against Petrosian. Uh, very close lines. I think there's value here uh, on the Armenian. Nicely done, Ken. Flow back in the Armenian there. And the only guy to beat Petrosian in the UFC thus far, competing in our next matchup, Kyle Bohalio, modest 250, taking on Abus Magomedov, who comes back plus 205. Sao Luis Maranos Bohalio, is that how you pronounce that? I looked it up earlier today. Sao Luis Marano. Eh. I think that's close <laughs> enough. Anyway, it looks like a future yeah, contender right. to me. What a body on this middleweight. 4-0 in the UFC, Bri. Mm-hmm. And now fighting a guy with a ton of experience in a boost. Yeah. Magomedov, of course, headline against the now champion Sean Strickland back on July 1st. Bohalio, minus mm-hmm. 250. Some thought maybe it'd be a little bit higher. Your thoughts on him here against a boost Magomedov. I always start when my Bahalo breakdowns by making fun of the, the fact that he comes from the fight nerds because he's a good-looking guy with a neck tattoo, right? But I, it's it's all the mental that team is really growing, and I see a lot of Brazilian fighters coming out of there, and this guy's confidence, his affectionate, and his skills are really shining here. I love the number on here. I think Abus Magomedov's a little, I don't want to say fraudulent, but there's some questions, right? He got knocked out by Lewis Taylor in the very first 170-pound PFL um, uh, finale, lost out a million bucks, and kind of disappeared, and then popped up on the UFC radar against Stolfoots at 185 pounds. Obviously, you lose to Sean Strickland, so maybe I'm overreacting. That's the champion right there. He got broken down. Cardio wasn't there. Um, but I think Bahalo is just the better fighter everywhere. I think his striking is is a little patient for me. I wish he would add a little more because he's a big, thick kid. Um, but his straight punches are great. On the ground's great. Him on top's great. I think boost is going to probably have some problems here. And I think Bahalo is going to finish. And I like three units on it as well. Give me the fight, nerd. Give me Bahalo. I think he gets a finish here. I'm going heavy this week on this one. Very interesting night in the middleweight division. What do you think, Ken Flo? Kyle Bohalio, minus 250, Abus Magomedov, plus 205. 
Yeah, I, I think this is a very interesting fight. I think that Bohalio is is the guy that looks very comfortable in the cage. He does not have the grappling or jiu-jitsu credentials of someone like uh, Adolfo Vieira, yet he looks way better on the ground and way more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So again, a lot of this is a, is a mental game. And I think that the mental game of Bohalio, as Brian Petrie alluded, alluded to, uh, is very strong. Um, I, I think he's a smart fighter. He knows how to integrate his striking without compromising himself, right? You don't see him get hurt too often. He's a very smart fighter on the feet, on the ground, just knows how to put it all together. I think Magomedov is still very dangerous. We saw that in round one against Sean Strickland. So he's got a lot of weapons. His, his kicking game is phenomenal. I think it could potentially pose some problems to Bohalio, but I don't think it's enough of a problem for Bohalio. I think Bohalio knows how to adjust. He will find a way to be successful on the feet and on the ground. I like Bohalio here as well. I'm a little hesitant in putting, uh, you know, three units. Uh, uh, I think that's probably a smart play by Brian. Uh, I'm not going to copy here, uh, but I like <laughs> Bohalio here as well. All right, both guys like Kyo Bohalio, and with that. We get to a featured bout in the heavyweight division. Rodrigo Nascimento, modest 180, taking on Dontel Mays, plus 150. So Nascimento has won back-to-back split decisions over Tanner Bozer and Alir Latifi. He actually submitted Dontel Mays at his UFC mm-hmm. debut during the COVID-19 pandemic. That was May 16th, 2020. So this is a rematch, and Mays will try to exact some revenge here. Lord Kong coming off the biggest win of his career, Bry, stopping mm-hmm. Javon Arlovsky back on June 3rd. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on him plus 150 this weekend. Yeah, the loose cannon from Louisville, Dante Mays. This guy needs to get back to what made him great. I mean, listen, I, I've talked about it before. I saw him fight at a lower prom- promotion in Kentucky, and people were afraid of this guy, right? He's knocking people dead. Obviously, he's rounding his game out. He's He's been D1 Dante. He's been wrestling a little bit and grappling. He was the guy that kind of hurt John Jones on that takedown. That's not, that's not, I don't think it's Dante's fault, but he's obviously working with some heavyweights. That camp that John Jones put together in New Mexico is just full of heavyweights. Walt Harris, John Jones, Dante Mays, and Dante Mays has gotten, gotten better for it. Um, but I don't love how he fights on the feet sometimes. He, he takes away 6'6". Six, six, he takes away his reach. He's hunched over a lot of times. Maybe he's worried about the takedown. I think that's hopefully fixed now. Hopefully he fights a little more upright, uses his reach, uses his hands. He's clearly got power. Not a lot of volume, but there's power there. And then Nascimento is a guy who's just overachieved, in my opinion. I've never been super high on him, but he just wins and he squeaks out performances. And since it's in Brazil, I think this could be a close fight. I think the crowd's going to be shouting uh, at Dontel. I think this is going to maybe get in his head a little bit. Obviously, he's already lost this guy before. I don't love it. This is usually a spot where I would take a, a, an underdog, especially at a heavyweight spot here. But I'm going to go Nascimento. I just think he has his number here. Um, but hopefully, Dontel gets a little aggressive because I think that will do him a whole lot of good. Ken Flo, two of the top 60 heavyweights in the world, Dontel Mays, Rodrigo, Nascimento. Who do you like? Yeah, this is a tricky one. Um, You know, it's hard to have a tremendous amount of confidence in the consistency of both of these guys. But I think that's what it kind of comes down to. If I'm looking for consistency, Mm -hmm. I'm going to lead towards Nascimento a little bit more. And uh, I'd like to put some units on it. Um, I I do think it it being in Brazil will be a factor. Um, I I think that Dante uh, maybe has more potential to win by a finish, but Nascimento mm-hmm. has is more likely to be more consistent and win the decision. So give, give me Nascimento here uh, with uh, three units. Hey, oh, nice. All right, that brings us to the co-main event at Welterweight. It features the younger Bond theme, Gabriel Bond theme, mm-hmm. minus 535, Oops. taking on Nicholas Dalby, who is plus 400. 12th UFC appearance for Dalby. 
won his last three by decision. Actually, all of Dolby's UFC fights spanning his two UFC stints have mm-hmm. gone the distance except one against Jesse Ronson. On the other side, Bonfim is a bona fide finisher, not a decision guy. Back-to-back submission wins for him over Munir Lazez and Trevin Giles. Give him a dozen for his career. A lot of people say, Bri, for sure, future mm-hmm. contender, if not world title challenger, if not world champion. Good test for him here, seemingly, in the durable Nicholas Dalby BP. Your thoughts? That number is a spicy meatball, man. I don't know if I can swallow that. That is a high number on Bonfried. His last four of his five fights all ended in the first round. The one thing I know about Nicholas Darby, the Danish dynamite, you don't put him out unless you're Jesse Ronchin with a lot of needles in your butt. Allegedly, allegedly, they overturned it. They overturned it, but he doesn't get finished. This is a guy who had a fight stopped in the UK because it was too bloody. They're like, we got to call this. You guys are slipping all over the place. This guy is a war horse. He's a grinder. He's not overly skilled anywhere. He's awkward on the feet. It's very herky-jerky. It's hard to get a rhythm on him. He can take you down if he wants. Off his back, he's not the strongest, but... Uh, Bonfim loves a guillotine choke. You got to be careful with that. But if it gets out of round one, which, you know, I think Bonfim by submission round one is a good play for anybody to cut that number down a little bit. But if it's a, it gets out of round one, look out for Nicholas Dobby to make this an interesting fight because this guy doesn't go away. He's at Kari for days. He's a good sized guy at 170. And Bonfim hasn't been pushed in his last five fights. I want to see a guy get pushed here. He's in Brazil. He is highly prospect. You know, everyone talk about him. I think he's a great prop, but you're running into a guy like Dalby. Same thing as Darren Till didn't use UFC debut or nice debut. He ran into Dalby. They went to a draw, right? This was a highly touted guy. This is a guy that doesn't get put out much. And you're giving me a big number. Give me Nicholas Dalby as the dog here, babe. Plus four twenty five is insane to me. Four to one on my money. I'm taking it all day. Uh, give me Dolby by decision as well as a good play. All right. Had an inkling. One of you might see some value on Nicholas Dolby. This Gabriel Bonfim, though, can float. There's just something about watching this dude compete the way he carries himself when not in competition. We talk so much about Shavkat Rachmanov and Ian Machado Gary and all of these young welterweights. This dude might end up being the best of the bunch. Obviously, Vegas and the odds makers are paying attention. Your thoughts on him here. Prohibitively favored, some might say, minus 535 against Nicholas Dolby. Yeah, listen, I think it's it's inflated. I'm with Brian here. I think that uh, Gabriel is a very good fighter. I like what he says after the fight as well, mm-hmm. how he's always looking to evolve. Every time he says, I'm going to be better and better. Um, I, I think he's a better fighter everywhere than Dalby, though. Um, however, I do think he's going to experience what a fight is in the UFC when you face someone like Dalby. And, you know, when things get tough, uh, that's when we find out if they're a real fighter or not. So I'm really curious to see if we do see that. Uh, perhaps, though, Bonfim is just that good where he doesn't make it yeah. any fight. He just controls it and, and guides, uh, you know, guides it his way the whole way. But, um, you know, it, it's a little inflated. Dolby is someone that you need to respect and train very, very hard for. Am I going to go that way? No, not quite. <laughs> I, I'm, with, I'm with the Brazilian Bonfim. I think he does get it done. Um, but what a win it would be if, if Brian is successful. And, I, and I, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised. I think mm-hmm. there's still more I'd like to know about Bonfim, but I'm, I'm willing to uh, trust that he is the better fighter here and gets it done. And once mm-hmm. the calendar spins to November, maybe you see some Hail Marys out of Ken Flo. I kind of thought yeah. he might go yeah. five unis on Bonfim. Almost. Right? $600 swing there potentially could be yeah. useful. All right. Main event. Salvador Bahia, Brazil's Jailton Almeida, minus 455. The Black Beast, Eric Lewis, is plus 350. 
Lewis will gladly step up and step in for that show money as he replaces Curtis Razor Blades here against one of the boogeymen of the heavyweight division, Jailton Almeida. Once again, a huge betting favorite here, Bri. He's 5-0 in yep. the UFC thus far with as many finishes. A lot of pundits and handicappers expect him to find a finish here inside of 10 minutes, at least those mm-hmm. that I have talked to thus far. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Sao Paulo main event and ultimately on which side do you fall? It's jail time, man. Jail man is coming in. It's jail time. I, I cannot pick a Derek Lewis fight, right? I mean, you can go check the tapes, check the receipts. I can't <laughs> get the guy right. He knocks you dead. I, you know, I don't know what it is. The one thing is, is when you're looking at Johnson who made a fight, his last four fights, he has shot within 10 seconds. He gets the fight to the ground within 10 seconds. He doesn't fuck around with stand up. You run into an uppercut with Derek Lewis, you know, early where he is. He is very quick with that uppercut. Ask Curtis Blades. That's a problem. I don't think Jalton's going to do that, though. I think he's going to keep his head on the outside. I think he's going to do the right things. And he gets Derek Lewis down. Derek Lewis, there's a popular meme like, hey, I just stand up. Jiu-Jitsu doesn't work. I just stand up. Well, when you get this beast on top of you, it's going to work. Uh, Johnson, I made as a guy who, John, I've said this before in this podcast. I don't text you when you're working because I don't want to bother you. I text you after the Parker Porter fight. It was like this fucking guy. man. Yeah. And you were just like, wow. Um, this is a guy who wasn't supposed to be heavyweight, right? Oh, he's a 205 or he's right. this and that. No, no. He's a, he's a, the new breed heavyweight, athletic, strong. Obviously, there's some question marks on the feet. Can he take a shot? He has been knocked out before early in his uh, MMA career. So, obviously, there's some pundits out there that are like, oh, if Derek Lewis lands on him, sure. If Derek Lewis doesn't land on anybody. But I think Jalton Ameda gets him down. And and now I'm just trying to decide what it's going to be, a TK or submission. Because Jalton Ameda sometimes gets a little too – um, stagnant on top. He doesn't like to land strikes because he wants to set up that perfect submission. I don't think your head and arm, head and arm and Derek Lewis with the size neck and arms that guy's got, I think it's going to be rear naked choke or maybe a TKO. Give me Jalton Ameda first round stoppage win. That's a great money. Give me Jalton Ameda at minus 410. I think it's a steal. Give me two extra units on him as well. All right. Two you units on Jalton Ameda. Minus 455 or minus 410, whatever your price. It is steep on Jailton Almeida, but he's cashed every UFC ticket thus far. So Derek Lewis, as we mentioned, stepping in for Curtis Blades. And can I just say of Curtis Blades, right? Mm-hmm. More UFC wins combined than Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall, right? 12 UFC mm-hmm. wins, seven main events for Curtis Blades. He's accepted fights against Sergey Pavlovich, Tom Aspinall, and Jailton Almeida, right? All the tough guys, right? Has the head-to-head win over Aspinall, but obviously the recent loss to Sergey Sergey Pavlovich, Curtis Blades has never fought for a belt, and now those two guys are getting to fight for a belt. So we shout out Curtis Blades, but it will be the Black Beast. And Kenny, he is coming off that, you know, career continuing 33 second stoppage of Marcos Rogerio pays out of Lima. That was in July at UFC 291. Had lost three straight going in. What do you make of Derek Lewis here on the road against Jailton Almeida? Yeah, I mean, Derek Lewis is, is a tough guy to count out just because he always has that knockout power, and he's just sneaky fast, sneaky athletic, I think, a lot of times. However, um, you know, the big knock on him is the grappling, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that he hasn't quite been able to uh, get better at um, significantly anyway. That, that's the toughest thing, I think, for, for any fighter to get better at. And I do think he's going to end up on his back in this fight. Um, how safely he gets back to his feet, I don't know. Um, not to say that Jailton Almeida is this takedown machine. I don't think he's the most technical guy. He's not this American wrestler that you know once he gets a hold of you, you're going to be on your back. He's not quite like that, but I think he's athletic enough to get it done. 
Um, and I think he's athletic enough to get Derek Lewis on the ground and win, like Brian said, by TKO or submission. Um, and, and for Derek, that's always been a vulnerability. I think that you'd be crazy to stand up and trade with someone like Derek Lewis. Um, and I, while I do think Almeida has some decent striking, it's nothing to write home about. So he's mm-hmm. got to be careful there. He's got to be safe when he enters into those legs or clinch, whatever he, however he decides to put Derek Lewis on his back, he needs to do that. And um, so I, I think he gets it done. I'll put two units on Almeida as well so I don't get left behind too much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, give me Almeida here. All right, a couple unis on Jailton Almeida. We will see where the line closes. Brian Petrie, outstanding yes. job as usual on the main event challenge, my brother. You can get more from Petrie on his own podcast, the MMA Takes Podcast. Cincinnati Bengals, big win. Ooh, oh, you just, got a prelim play? You got one more? I got, Sorry. I got two little things here. Prelim play, Elvis Brenner. I think that kid's a stud against Esteban Rivovich. I mean, this is a great card uh, top to bottom. Give me Brenner, low number. And I want to shout out Chris Curtis. He had his baby boy. He's beautiful. He didn't, he's not going to post on social media or anything like that, but I want to give him a shout out. Mom's doing well. He's doing great. He's elated to have a kid and he's got a fight booked in January. So shout out to my guy, Chris Curtis. That's, that's amazing. It, boys. And that's some breaking news on the action man, the king of combat, Chris Curtis. Yeah. He was a father for the first time, like 25 fucking years ago. So now he's yeah, got to right. yeah. feel a lot different. Brian, yep. we'll talk to you next week, brother. Appreciate See it. You boys. Hey, dude. Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. He'll be back next week as we, Get you prime for UFC 295 Pro Hazka versus Pareda. All right, we got to bounce on out of here. Thanks to every last one of you for supporting the show. It means the world to us. You can do so on the DraftKings YouTube channel, Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel, DraftKings Network. You can go to johnanik.com and buy your merchandise. All new designs, cups, mugs, pint glasses, all sorts of stuff, hoodies, whatever you want. 20% off at least through UFC at 295. Thank you to Ray Long. Go to Brian Petrie. Our executive producer is Cody Merrow. And don't forget, we're back either Wednesday or Thursday as we go one-on-one, so to speak, with Eric Nixick after Francis Ngannou's big performance in Saudi Arabia. With that, for Ken Flom, John Anik, we'll talk to you later this week right here on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Until then, yo fucking later. I'm a stutter verse, I break at least three commandments Kinda like Pluto because I never planned it I'm outlandish in the way that make the patches look Like they own ranches, it's the art of war Your blood's the only color on the canvas And I don't mean it like a thug into how you can get God Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip-hop You got it every time you walk in the label The A&R's like not it, immune to your shit Cause I circle, circle, dot, dot it Body heat is a toxic, we gotta beat, I don't got it Speak competency, start to think psychically Make the speakers speak elitistly Off the high horse, make an ass of the views Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues My favorite DJ got those Six extra L's to abuse Esoteric John P And I'm the new kid at school I'm Raider Ellis Nice to meet you Show busting my styles Egocentric Ego tripping with Frequent flies miles DJ wants to get in the bird He gets in the bird And bird Takes the shot He's You wanna sit it on us We got tomatoes on us We rep the better Now's a good time to remember Where the story of tequila started In 1795 The first tequila distillery Was opened by the Cuervo family And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.